Café Rollist is your caffeinated tabletop RPG break. It started as our exclusive Patreon show, but following a survey with our supporters, I am happy now to share its most recent episode here with you. If you enjoy this show, please consider checking out our archive of a hundred or so additional episodes, which are still exclusive on Patreon. Welcome to another Café Rollist. Did we have one last week? I don't know. Time is a concept. It's all blurry in my head. I'm recovering from COVID. Anyway, I was just talking with my guest saying, oh, much it's good for me to have uh, those interactions. So today, and I have interaction with people across the world. Today, I've got someone from uh, the neighborhood of Calgary in Canada. Am I right, Alex? <laughs> Well, that was where I was born. I'm currently in Edmonton, uh, Canada. But yes, three hours away. It's it's not even. It's just a drive away. Ninety <laughs> percent of what I know of, or maybe fifty percent. Fifty percent of what I know of Canada comes from a movie called The Adventures of the Lost Stamp, uh, which is was a child movie which I need to cover on film studies one day. But children would travel through entering stamps and getting out of them. So that's not weird at all. And the other 50% of my knowledge of Canada comes from uh, an album called uh, Mon Nom Serge, Mon Voyage au Canada. <laughs> it's a French-Canadian album, metal, humor. And oh. one of their songs is called The West Edmonton Mall. And it's about being high <laughs> in the West Edmonton Mall called oh Two Stone... <laughs> Dans un centre d'achat, so two stone in a mall. Uh, and I really people recommend to check it out. I will link it in the description. But uh, what are you about? <laughs> what are you doing in Edmonton? Uh, Alex? Well, What's your I'm, deal? I'm... Well, I'm definitely not going to West Edmonton Mall. To get stones. <laughs> during COVID. I love that that is like what everyone knows about Edmonton being West Edmonton Mall, as, as you should. Um And you, uh, well, what's up during COVID is that I am playing a lot of tabletop role playing games. I'm also, uh, dabbling right now in the film world. So that has really changed a lot. Yeah. I'm a filmmaker in addition to, uh, being like a very avid, uh, like RPG designer, GM player, because uh, across all these mediums, it's all about storytelling. It's about being able to tell a story and being able to interact and play in the story too. I keep wondering how. First of all, I need to get you on films on a, one of our episodes of the RPG Academy Film Studies. I just released one recorded <laughs> with uh, Banana Shan and uh, Yvonne. Uh, by the way, I apologize to Yvonne. I I I don't know how to pronounce uh, her name uh, in uh, in Chinese in Mandarin, uh, but yeah, uh, that's what's written on Twitter. But uh, yeah, uh, I should. Uh, I keep wondering, you know, about tabletop role-playing games and filmmaking and storytelling in entertainment uh, uh, overall. If you could write, if you could use sessions, improvised session of a system, or even you write the the basis of a script, and if you could use a, a gaming session and then polish it to make it a proper st- script for for a movie, is that something <laughs> you ever considered doing? I I mean, like you know. Uh, like, it's totally possible. If you look at, like, onwards, like, I mean, it wasn't like a, like a, like a session from a TTRPG into a movie, but if you look at it, it's almost like as if, like, 
it was a TTRPG session where someone goes on a mission and then they try to like have the stick and stone and magic in there. And so it's almost like the same thing. Like I feel like any TTRPG can be created like into because I write scripts like you just need the conflict you need to have like what the objective and the desires of the players are and then you're good to go to make a film like it's very similar I think it could be done across any session um, because they're quite similar to like films and why we study and love films too is because there's like we're invested in the characters we love their stories and we want to see people succeed and fail so there's quite actually quite a lot of stuff being shot uh, in Canada, even production, which technically I guess the the uh, U.S. productions. So is your dream to work on a CW show uh, in Vancouver? I mean, maybe, maybe, I don't know. That's that's like a really big dream. One day, maybe it'd be really cool if they like if any CW people are watching. For sure, call me up. <laughs> <laughs> you know where to find me. If anyone in Vancouver wants to talk to me, you know where to find me on Twitter. <laughs> If if anyone from CW is watching this show, they should call me too because I'd like to <laughs> bring Callum along too. Let's write films together, Callum. <laughs> so, what's your what's your routine like at the moment uh, under the uh, waving my arms at the world uh, situation? Uh, do you work from home? I... Do you study? Uh, do you wake up early or late? Uh, do you leave at night? Uh, Oh yeah, it's it's so different. Like I, I work from home now. I'm like in the day, I'm like a policy analyst, a government bureaucrat by the day. Um and so it's almost like a, a nine to five that I have regularly. And then I and uh and then I play like my TTRPGs and my filmmaking sort of at night in, in those meetings. Um and so the world's so changed because like it used to take like I used to do two hours of commuting. I would take one hour on the train to go downtown and then an hour, another hour coming back. And so like I have gained time. I am living my best life right now. I know like the situation for sure, like COVID has been affecting a lot of people's lives negatively. Uh, but for myself, I I feel that I'm actually not so tired anymore from the commute. I'm able to like work from home, so I'm able to take breaks. My fridge is only only like five minutes away i'm in my bedroom <laughs> filming right now um, oh, you, you got and, a very large house five minutes that's quite far away for a fridge from a bedroom <laughs> it's true five minutes away for like fridge i guess i have to like keep walking no it's maybe more than like five seconds <laughs> my bridge i just need to ride my golf cart to go to my fridge which is on the other <laughs> wing of my mansion <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So yeah, I wake up, I wake up early because I, I really want to like seize the day and see what's happening. Um, and I'm, I'm, there's been such like, a big push for diversity in a lot of like, uh, media and grants and, and like opportunities online, uh, for like TTRPGs that I, I am super tired, but I'm very happy and fulfilled because I can create more Asian representation in the content that I'm creating in the film um media and play well jump let's jump into that uh, asian representation so one of the things which you already published is on the dm's guild and that's the great zodiac race uh, what is that about is that is that with is it related to because when i read zodiac that's a french title of sensei it's the knights of the zodiac so is it related to that oh. in any way uh, I maybe <laughs> <laughs> Knights of the Can you tell me about the Knights of the Zodiac? Like, are they like the astrology? It's Sensei and uh, you got the uh, bronze uh, uh, knights, and they are 
the Chinese astrology. So you've got the, I think it's just Chinese astrology. You got the monkey, you got the tiger, but the, the most famous one is the dragon, the Pegasus. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, so like uh, I was disappointed to find out. I think I'm monkey in Chinese horoscope, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we we let, let's talk about the great zodiac race, not sensei. No, Callum, you're a monkey. I'm a monkey too. My brother is a tiger, which is much cooler. I find. Uh, no, monkeys are are so cool. We're intelligent, but stubborn and hot tempered. But <laughs> um, no, I think I think you're right. I mean, there's some zodiac animals where I'm just like, do I want to be a rat? <laughs> Um, but no, I think it, it, any Zodiac animal is actually really cool. Um, and so it's exactly sort of like what you were talking about, the like touchstone you were talking about is that um, the great, there's a legend called the great race um, that uh, really helped determine the Chinese um, lunar calendar or like the lunar calendar itself and the Chinese Zodiac. And so this myth tells like uh, every, like of this Chinese mythology, this myth that, uh, these 12 animals determine time. And so, um, yeah, like it's a, it's a 12 year cycle every year there. It, the first is the rat. Um, and then it's ox. Uh, then it's, I'm trying to reach my brain. It's a very specific order. Uh, and then it is a tiger, uh, rabbit dragon. Um, and then it is, uh, <clears throat> I, I believe it's, uh, sh- the monkey, uh, sheep, uh, um, sheep, r- rabbit, or sheep, rooster, monkey, and then it is. Oh, I'm getting it all wrong. I know everyone's gonna laugh at me once I read it. What should I watch so it again? There's or a snake. swan. So the this no swan. There's no swan. Cygnus. There's no swan. I know. Oh. We don't have swans. We have cranes. <laughs> um. Yeah. And then like pig and dog mm, i butch- butchered it and I, it was only like a couple months ago that i wrote it um i w- i actually was writing it for the rpg writers workshop it was like um it, it's this really excellent program that really helps you like move through if you want to write uh, a teach rpg adventure for the first time and their uh I, their adventure was like D first um they're they they have like the sponsorship from dsm m guild and so a dnd isn't my favorite system but i i mean i've grown up with it i played it for like 10 years um and so it's what i've grown up with and so um i in in D, um they're like uh if you've ever played dnd they're it, like the settings for the orient and the east East Asia is really, really poorly done. It's really uh, written through like a white lens. And so um, it's not like authentic or really accessible to Asian uh, folks. And so I really wanted to create an adventure um, that allowed people to be seen, to be heard and um, to like celebrate our, like our authentic culture. So I really wanted to bring like a story that I love um, and that I like learned about when I was a kid. So what's the premise really where do the adventurers start? Is it is it a setting? Is it an adventure? Can if I have a group we're playing in the Forgotten Realms, could we run it there? Or is it do you need to create characters which are f- specific to this adventure because of what it requires? Uh, not at all. You know, like this this you could like you could be running like a campaign in like the Forbidden Lands and then get yourself like yeeted over to like this this like 
world of like China. Um, and you can keep all your characters the same. Um, and I've created these mechanisms where um, you are actually going through this legend and you're rewriting this legend with your friends. You can recreate and retell the story of the great Zodiac of the great race. And, um, and all your characters would become the Zodiac animals. And so you could choose Callum for your character in this game if you wanted to be the tiger you can I created mechanisms in this game where it would give you um in D&D like there is like a really great section for traits and flaws and ideals and bonds and so I've uh and so that's very similar to like uh like the Chinese zodiac animals who also have like uh, like trait these like positive traits these negative traits these ideals these bonds I just like translated them over to this character sheet which is really cool um, and uh, you could and then um, you go through very specific settings um, you go through like the the Zhangjie uh, forest which is uh, have you watched the avatar yes like the like James Cameron avatar yeah oh. like uh, you notice <laughs> I was thinking the Airbender, yeah, but like, yes, yes to both counts. <laughs> Avatar The Last Airbender is also really great. I love them. Um, and so the Avatar, like, you can see that there's, like, huge, like, beautiful sandstone pillars. Um, and this place actually exists, like, this Pandora actually exists in China. And it's the Zhangjiajie uh, forest um, in China. And it's, and you can, like, move your characters through that i also include like the yangtze river where it's a huge expansive like um like huge river um of like maybe like 15 15 feet i think um really huge uh and uh it, it, you get to interact with like um villagers and and rice terraces like you really go through like this authentic chinese areas that like been taken from like actual Chinese um, like geography because I really wanted people to move through actual it's not like it's it's like these areas uh, inspired fantasy that is my alarm <laughs> fine so does that mean uh, is uh, the play experience sort of structured in 12 acts one for each of those zodiac or are things sort of more meshing in a in a different manner um no it's it's just it's done in three acts actually um not 12 acts you don't go through each zodiac animal um you just have like a selection of animals that you could play um and so it's almost like uh if you were in like pbta uh play uh, playing like powered by the apocalypse you have these characters uh that you could choose to play um and so like if i for example chose a character uh like the like a dwarf uh character and i was like i want to be a tiger you can like decide for your dwarf character if like how much you want it to transform into the tiger take on like the abilities you also get special abilities with each character um and uh and one use like special abilities uh, that have been imbued to you with like a talisman um, because like the, the premise, the start of the story is that you're all adventurers trying to find this, this like scroll in a cave, um, this like really this hidden scroll in this cave and like this, in, the, in a cave of a thousand Buddhas and you go through and then you get sucked into the story. And the only way to escape is that you have to like re 
I like go through the whole entire like legend. You have to relive the legend and see like how you recreate this legend with your friends. No, it's uh, <laughs> people could we could have bingo cards for the release because I'm gonna bring up a, a role playing game I bring up all the time. <laughs> Uh, but what you describe, living out a legend, engaging with a tradition, especially uh, on a quest to find a scroll. Uh, now I'm tempted to grab a, a copy of The Great Zodiac Race and see if I could port that to another game called Nephilim, which is a French contemporary occult game, but in which okay. you play immortal beings, ethereal beings who incarnate themselves in human bodies. But they, they always seek out... Uh, some kind of wisdom to engage with the past, with history, with legends, with um, common folklore and this sort of things uh, in a way to engage with imagination in the world. So I'd be very tempted to to see if I could take the great Zodiac race and play it out as a Nephilim uh, adventure in which it would be after this scroll and then go through all those different settings. Because... That's something which is very common in Nephilim. You go through places called Agatha, which probably has a, some Asian uh, origin as well, uh, which are imaginary, but not quite imaginary because they're, they're real and they still influence people. But you, you travel from one world to another, to one setting to one another, and it's all about engaging with yeah, uh, legend and history. Even as players, you find out in a rather clumsy way but still, it's really encouraging you to go further and, and research uh, topics like that. Uh, it, I don't know. Is that mm -hmm. something you could imagine? I don't know if you, you might be more familiar with something like Changeling. Could you imagine someone play uh, the Great Zodiac Race using Changeling? Yeah, I mean, like, um, with this being like a legend and like a theme, um, I originally wanted to create this story actually with like using Powered by the Apocalypse because I thought it would be really cool to have each character be asymmetrical characters um, and to go through this legend. And you know what? Like, I think, yeah, Callum, if you want me to ever like if you want to ever, ever gather your friends and like I can play like uh, GM you through this game, I think like it could it could like the legend itself. I think that's the, the beauty is that it's really a theme. Um, that could be probably like uh, like re reskinned into an, like another system, and you could have similar play. I think so um, because it's it's you're really just playing through the like this like cultural cultural mythology where um, you're like learning about what is the great uh, what is the great race and how these Chinese zodiac animals came to be like how how was it that we determined these 12 animals like why did why did the chinese people choose rat ox rabbit uh dragon snake horse sheep monkey rooster dog and pig why didn't they choose the, the swan <laughs> so you mentioned that uh not exactly all 12 of those signs were were involved uh, would you consider writing sequels to it uh to to cover all of them maybe in, uh, in three parts or something like that Ooh, oh, sequel. I, like, that'd be very Am I kind of running a consultant service here? I think I should get paid for all these ideas. <laughs> <laughs> very interesting. You know, um, I don't I don't know if you've ever done with your creative work. Um, I'm really happy with where the, the great Zodiac race is right now. I'm, I'm thinking of actually 
Uh, I actually like I'm in another a mentorship program called the Tabletop Mentorship Program. Great program for like people who want to uh, who are like in board games and TTRPGs who want to like be matched up with mentors um, who are in specific fields. And I want to do art illustration. Um, but sometimes you have to like for me, like sometimes my projects are done. Sometimes like I'm I'm just like, oh, like how much do I want to talk about this Zodiac race and then like move on to another project? Yeah, of it's course. I mean, make, yeah. it makes total sense. I'm I'm hopeful in a couple of weeks to finally release a version of the game I'm developing, and I already have ideas for for the next game. So <laughs> on one hand, <laughs> I'm very keen to publish my game, and I still got work to uh, hire a graphic designer and have an artist. But in terms of writing, uh, I definitely want to move on to to the next bit. And but yeah, but I. I uh, it's it's like any creative endeavor. Uh, in my work, I'm, I'm an architect. Uh, have a drink, everyone listening. Mm. Uh, but yeah, you, you have something and you need to get away from it. And eventually you will come back. But you need to get away uh, first. Because if you stick around, you just... You, you, yeah, you sort of get yourself sick of your of that yeah. specific project. I, I guess it, un- unless you have a very specific other stuff. But... That's a good segue for your next or already ongoing project. You send me a few pictures. And I mean, what do you want to talk about first? The cyberpunk game or the, um, I always forget what they call it in English, uh, read your own adventure project. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about the cyberpunk one first. It's super in prototype. Also for everyone like watching out there, play Callum's game. It's so good. Like I, (laughs) it is like a beautiful game and I do not like inventorying at all in in D&D. So this game will change it all for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Such a good experience. Um, Yeah. um, It was a great group also. uh, Just just for a second on that. Uh, I mean, Alex Roberts and uh, B Zelda, uh, that's, that's top-notch gamers there. Thank you. Yeah, I, I love them. I'm also like a, like a pro GM with B Zelda uh, with like Magpie Games. Um, so much like so much plugging. I need to like get a sponsor. It's a Canadian connection, of course. <laughs> there is so, many con- so much connection. Everyone in the TTRPG world, it's so small. You will like find out like everyone. <laughs> Um, yeah, so like, um, if you've watched a lot of like cyberpunk movies, such as like Ghost in the Shell or like, or like Blade Runner, for example, there's like a lot of like, when I first watched Blade Runner, I saw like an aesthetic of like, a, like, I think it was a geisha on like a T on like a building. Um, and I was just like, okay, Asian aesthetics. But like, if you keep watching, you're just like, where are the Asian people? Like, there's no Asian people there. Um, and so like, I think it's very interesting that like, Asian aesthetics and cultural aesthetics gets um, sort of like borrowed all the time and taken um, and reappropriated to like, cause it seems cool. Like whenever you imagine the future in cyberpunk, you always see like, oh, it's going to be Asian, but they're like, but then you like, you're just like, where are the Asian people? Um, it's it's it, interesting. Yeah. This kind of this eighties, I guess, well, it's really older, but I think it was something at its height in the eighties, the, the sort of Western scare that industries were taken over, especially by Japanese corporations and this sort of things. But while those were often featured, uh, 
lead characters were pretty much never uh, Asian uh, actors themselves or characters. Yeah, like it makes you wonder, like who are they prioritizing? I always saw it was like a, a broody white man who was like who was the lead, um, and it never really made sense to me. So like there was this like recent jam um, for like Asian cyberpunk. I've never like I've never I thought about it. I was like, what does Asian Asian cyberpunk look like? Um, and so I attempted to like write a choose your own adventure with some like um, me- mechanisms where you can like uh, ask like create the world around you, but um, you are like definitely playing an Asian person in this like very technologically advanced world. And I really want, and I, I, I really love Black Mirror. Um, and so I want to incorporate those themes in there. So um, it's it's called like Escape from Neo Millennia. Um, and it's, it's just an adventure where uh, you wake up and you're just like, where am I? Who am I? Um, sort of like theme. And then you like try to discover what is happening in this world as you explore it. Um, and I love choose your own adventure books. Um, I always grew up like with them and I really wanted to write on um, my own. And so all the projects I've sort of been doing have been ones that like have been, have inspired, been inspired by, by my like childhood and like all, all these like cultural areas around me and so things that I, I wasn't seeing, um, in, in the markets. So that's interesting. So you, you went to, uh, the place of Asian culture into cyberpunk, but, uh, did you jump straight with sort of your wherever you were in terms of uh, baggage and perception uh, as as yourself, or did you make some research and go to? Because uh, as a teenager, I was very deep into. I guess that yeah, that fits as a cyberpunk. Uh, it was kind of a high watermark for Japanimation in the French speaking world for for a number of reasons. It started very early. Mm-hmm. Uh, with co-production and imports uh, with child shows like Sherlock Holmes, uh around the world in 80 days. But uh, when I was a teenager, my generation, which grew up on also Candy, uh, Grandizer, later Senseiya and uh, Dragon Ball, not Dragon Ball Z, but when my generation became teenagers, that's when you had a big wave of interest into manga itself. So cyberpunk mm-hmm. was very present with names like Mazamune Shiro, uh, Yukito Kishiro, or um, the movies by uh, uh, what's his what name, Mamoru Oshii, the, you know, the two Pat Labors, and and then uh, Ghost in the Shell, and of course Akira as well. Uh, are there things you went back to, or did you jump straight with with your own views on of the the topic? Mm, I guess I was like a little bit influenced by like, like everything, I guess, like you're, you're like, for sure, like, there's a lot of like manga out there and animes that have like their own cyberpunk, like, you know, Full Metal Alchemist, Ch- uh, uh, Shobit Spy Clamp. Um, and so like Ghost in the Shell, um, which uh, have like, they, these are Asian people creating their own cyberpunk worlds, And so for sure, like, I definitely remembered like show bits and like how you have like that's like I drew a lot of uh like reference from that from that area because I was just like what what would the world look like um with robots um and these high these high tech advances but these are like these are worlds created by Asian people mm-hmm. um and so uh in living in North America like when uh like 
outside of like anime and manga, like what are people watching for cyberpunk? Um, and uh, like for me, like a lot of like what I also took from was Black Mirror. I really love how Black Mirror creates this like like this dirty gritty world of like what could go wrong in technology. So those are like my touch points for what I wanted to create in this like Asian cyberpunk, like reclaiming back um, what uh, like the Western world thought of like cyberpunk taking like these Asian aesthetics and actually creating more um, of these aesthetics from like an Asian person. So as you are uh, into filmmaking yourself, uh, uh, Black Mirror did Snatch, and you writing a uh, radio and adventure, cyberpunk adventure. Uh, is that a project you could imagine shooting cool. in some fashion or animating and making it uh, an interactive video experience? Oh my gosh, Callum, you're putting ideas in my head now. I need to like fly to London and <laughs> I then need a commission. Of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a it's it's a good connection. I didn't make the connection before. You know what? Like that's so cool. And I was I actually was like out uh, like a couple weeks ago um playing around with like this interaction. Like I played Bandersnatch for hours on end because I wanted to find out every single connect like every ending like that. I was that person who was like very obsessed with like go like memorizing all the paths that like were going down. And so like I think that'd be so cool. I think I would love to like film the like the sequences and have people interact and do like a like a Asian cyberpunk world where people like decide, yeah, I think that'd be so cool. That might be my next project, Callum. <laughs> I'm putting on, on the screen the, the picture you sent me of your notes for your uh, pick your your path adventure. Uh, what were the notes you sent me? The the cyberpunk one or another one? Mm -hmm. and, and what was your your process to develop that? Yeah, um, yeah. As you probably see on screen, wherever it's pointing. Um, yeah, like you know, to be creative, and it, it's like like welcome to my brain. It's so messy. Um, That's so like, kind of scary uh, to be honest. I got a picture in front of me. Um, but if you look at it, like you can see, like where I was trying to branch off to all these like different adventure, like these adventure points. Like if you choose this one, you go here, and so it's all this like this again branching narratives and i had to like make sense of it and so there's nothing like uh putting you know down uh pen and paper to paper and and writing this out because like i was having such a trouble sometime i know there's like programs out there on the and like on the website that you could like help do this but for me i just needed to like visit like actually visit like visually see it all uh down and so like I just, you know, I just took a piece of paper and I was just like, where do I want people to pick these choices? And then you can go here. And then I wrote down the name, the numbers. And then I ended up creating like a 40 page, like, um, choose your own adventure out of that. So choose your own adventures, the, for instance, the fighting fantasy books, they also include often, I'm not the most familiar with the format, but uh, unlike Bandersnatch, they also include uh, elements of gaming and randomizers and uh, uh, competitiveness stuff it's not just choices it's also you, you will be more or less likely to to pass some actions and you will also have a <clears throat> uh what's it called uh yeah maybe you have even xp and this sort of things uh did you include it some aspects of that as well or is it strictly you yeah. choose your path 
No, absolutely. Like, I love that you brought up fighting fantasy. We have so much to talk about, Callum. Um, <laughs> I love fa- fighting fantasy books. Those are also part of my childhood. Man, I had such a good childhood um, in like the terms of fantasy. Um, and so, uh, yeah, like, I mean, fighting fantasy, you have like this character who like you have like stats, you have skill, luck and stamina. For myself, I I sort of made like a, you know, um, a heart, mind um, you have like HP as in electrical juices. Um, and so you have uh, like you have like uh, modifiers like uh, you can have like a uh, almost like PBTA where like you kind of have like a zero, a minus one, a one. And then you roll 2d6 to go through this world. And if you fail, you can go through like a time loop. So I actually created something from Bandersnatch and like the video game, like Life is Strange, where like you have a rewind button. So throughout this adventure, you actually have like a couple of rewind buttons um, if you like make a really poor decision. Um, and my friends then said that I was too kind <laughs> <laughs> um, to players because I should just let them die a grisly death and detail everything that happened to you. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> maybe. Uh, so like I, it's still like in the in the early, early prototypes. Um, I got my friends to read it and they like they really like the concepts. It's, it's really cool how I, I really wanted to not just like make choices, but also influence like if you rolled a below a six. Uh, then this bad thing happens to you a seven to nine like something like like a mixed results happen and then 10 plus like you succeed and and everything you wanted in life Um, but then you get to see what choices you you did based on like how like the the items you picked up or the skills you improved throughout this game so it evolves with you oh and and this game is your is it your ongoing project what what stage is it is it uh, ready to for can people acquire it somewhere or is it uh, upcoming? When is it going to be released? Uh, how far are you in the development? Oh, yeah. I mean, like I, I had to publish it. So it's part of like the like the Asian cyberpunk jam, I believe. Um, and it's super early access, like super, super, like you can download it and read it. And like, um, and it like, it's all my like brain ideas there. It's on my itch, um, which is like sour worm. Um, uh, with a Y for the for the worm. I'll include the um, link in the description of the episode, so sure. easy to find. And I will add my sure. tag, so maybe I can have a cut of that sweet, sweet itch money. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's um, super, yeah, it's super early access, and I would love people to like comment and tell me how I can make it better. Um, Because playtesting is so important, um, as you probably know, Callum, um, to make like a better game. And so at one point, yeah, it's my current project. Um, It's I have like a million projects uh, on the go. And so it's just like one of many for sure. Well, we still got a bit of time. Uh, What what do you want to talk about next? Uh, Another project or something else? (laughs) Yeah, we could talk about like another project that I care about a lot too, um, which is like uh, again with the tabletop mentorship program. Um, I'm writing. I really I'm uh, designing a game that like leads people through Chinese ghost stories. Um, again, like I really love Chinese legends, stories, myths, and so uh, like for this one, I wanted to make a horror game because I run a lot. Of, so like surprisingly, I run a lot. Of, like I love Bluebeard's Bride. That's like one of my favorite games out there. But like. For I don't watch horror movies because then my imagination is so ripe I can't go to sleep. <laughs> so, is it because horror? It's a very wide, uh, you know, field. 
Uh, today, I was reading a rather interesting thread on Twitter about uh, Japanese horror movies and how uh, the characters are powerless to whatever they, they confronted to. But then you've got Detective D, you've got Chinese ghost stories. They, they are in a rather different vein. So what is sort of the vein for uh, your own ghost stories? Are they more Chinese? And oh, what, oh, that, oh does that color uh, that experience? Yeah, I've been like reading a couple of ghost stories and I haven't uh, really like committed to like which one I want to move people through or like if there's a couple. But I guess like which like how like how the Chinese language sort of does it is that like ghosts like ghosts are very like ominous um and how we've like sort of incorporated in this language is that like it sort of represents like a fear of the unknown and so um in our language uh like for something like if something's like unlucky or misfortunate we sort of add like the word ghost to it because it's something that we don't know is something uncertain and so like there's a lot of ghosts in um like chinese culture like you have different kinds of ghosts too um, not just like one kind of ghost. Um, and uh, yeah, they like really do represent um, sort of like they have humanistic characteristics. You could like interact with these ghosts, uh, but like they sort of represent like people who like have like died in like a really like uh, grisly way and their spirit hasn't passed. Like um, I remember like my parents telling me these ghost stories, like when I was a kid so that I wouldn't do like a lot of like, a, like a lot of folk stories, like um, they tell me like, if you do this, um, this like bad thing will happen and you'll turn into a ghost and you don't want to, you just don't want to be a ghost, like just moving around this world. Um, and so it's very interesting because I think it holds a lot of fear and uh, uncertainty for people. And so I think that makes it a little different. Um, so I'm really excited to actually like bring in this like interpretation of what ghosts are to like Chinese people um, into this like uh, into this adventure and see uh, if I can bring like one of my board game, one of my favorite board games is Betrayal um, on House on the Hill. And so I really want to bring some of those me mechanisms into this game. Reminds me actually that uh, we need to book uh, I don't remember if it's you or B who promised a 12 candles game. Uh, I really want to. Oh, yeah. That. I think it's B. Uh, we B need to make that 10 candles. That would be really cool. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, so uh, Beyond Betrayal, are there other games which inspired you this experience? Does that mean it will be somewhat board gamey or. Uh, do you still take it more into a narrative uh, direction and how? It's true. I'm, I mean, like, I think, I don't know. Oh, it's so hard. Like, what is, like, what's the difference between a TTRPG and a board game? I guess, yeah, like, especially, you yeah. know, we had a couple guests. We had, uh, uh, um, what, uh, I don't remember his first name, uh, Pet Petrusha. Uh, who was telling about uh, Rest in Pieces, which you play with the Jenga Tower. Uh, you played Paris Gondo, which is you got this card exchange mechanics. Uh, it's kind of... Uh, and you got all the For the Queen games uh, happening at the moment. There's a very interesting, blurry uh, situation taking place between card games, board games, and role-playing games at the moment. And interestingly enough, it's not even happening, I find... 
uh, where you would think it's not happening between the tactical dungeon crawling heavy games like D&D 4th and war games. No, it's happening between narrative games and story games slash party games and so on. It's uh, I find it fascinating what's going on there. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it's so hard nowadays because, like, because, mm, like, uh, yeah, like you were saying, like, every, like, what I thought was, like, originally a board game, like, these moving pieces, these cards, these tokens um, can be used in a TTRPG. And I guess, like, um, or, well, for tabletop role-playing games, I think, I think what really differentiates it is that, like, in, in board games, you usually don't have, like, a person or like a couple people sort of like telling a story and not knowing what happens. You sort of have mechanisms in the board game that ha- helps you um, like tell that story. And like, there's a very loose theme sometimes, but in like tabletop are uh, like RPGs, they really ask you to like stretch your imagination and you can have a GM who like decides the outcomes. Um, and, or like you can have a GM list game where like several people collaborate and like tell the story together. So it's very interesting, like what, like the, the line between board games and TTRPGs and how they like blur a little bit. Um, and so for like my ghost, for my game, um, I sort of came out as a, as like, I wanted to create a portfolio piece. Like I'm really happy with like the great Zodiac race. If you look at the cover, it tells you the whole entire adventure, um, in on, on the cover if you look very closely at it um and for this one i wanted to create i wanted to increase my digital illustration skills i want to be like a one person band in like everything i do i want to write design um and like illustrate an adventure and this is my time to do it um and so i really just wanted to create a game almost like uh we've talked about like brindlewood bay i wanted to make like a little bit mysterious uh and like maybe collect clues, maybe stab someone in the back, have a hidden identity. There's so many mechanisms I want to sort of include in this game that like I but um, the tabletop mentorship program sort of ends this round in April. And so I'm trying to give myself a, a month time to like just like put this game out. So you designed the cover of uh, the Great Zodiac Race yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I painted. Look like a something you would pull out out of a. I don't know, a historical collection or archive and uh, you would have purchased the copyrights for it. It looks, uh, yeah, it, it's really, um, pretty reminds of uh, traditional drawings. It's quite impressive in for digital art, I find. Thank you. No, well, I mean, like the, this cover that I created, The Great Zodiac Race, took me seven hours to paint. Um, so it's actually, you can see that it's actually like, I, I just painted the cover with acrylics. Um, oh, amazing! And yeah, and so like if you look at like look at the cover, um, it, like you can see like the order. So like why I was like struggling with the order initially was that I was like looking at this like very small picture, um, and so like you can see that it's like the rat tr- and and how the rat uh, came onto this the uh, won the race first was that it rode the ox's back. So I I drew that, and so you can see that the snake scares the horse because the snake was hiding in the in the in the like the hoof um you can see that like the sheep the rooster and the monkey are together in like one of the frames because they all travel together by raft um and tiger dog and pig are all alone because they all did it uh with their own abilities and and then with uh with the dragon and rabbit a dragon helped uh rabbit by like blowing onto the log that rabbit had that that as they all had to cross a river in order to win the race. 
Um, and so I, I, and they're all situated in like the Fook sign, the fortune sign, because there was this like really beautiful scroll that I own by Ren Yude, um, that has like the animals in a similar position, but I, I rearranged them all, um, to tell like my story of the great zodiac race. That, that's, re- I really need to try to do something Nephilim with that because the, this sort of, you got an image and you've got a, a story you can read within the image and you got also an allegorical layer that's yeah that's a that's the kind of thing i really dig in uh, in nephilim which is more western european culture based but it's like these these old paintings and you look at it and it's like just a a cup of fruits with a, a clamshell and and maybe a dagger and you look at this painting and you're like okay that's a knight technical study that the painter did but then you have someone knowledgeable or you read about it and you find out now the dagger represents a historical event that happened this year and the pomegranate represent that thing and this fruit which is <laughs> yes. doing this and then you got a skull and the skull means that everybody dies even if you're a king and you, you got all those symbols <laughs> and the stories you can find out about and uh, you, you're trying to navigate in uh, Nephilim the, the game yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of symbolism and layers. Just like you said, like I I really wanted to like when I create art, I want I it's not just like at the face value. I wanted to like tell the entire story. Also of like my D and D adventure, like you see, you'll if you look really closely, there's like a sword, there's like arrows, there's like a bamboo like shoots, there's like um there's like clouds and and rafts in there because like you're also moving through that in this adventure. So like yeah, that's um, and I wanted to make it special. It's also based off like um, traditional Chinese paper cuttings. Um, so like, like when I create something, I, I I like give it so much thought because I really want to like honor like my cultural like background and like significance uh, in in this myth. And even like you again, art can a picture says a thousand words, and this uh, cover definitely says a thousand words as well. Amazing. I, you know, again, going back to filmmaking, uh, that, that's something I also love with movies when there's some kind of subtext and it doesn't need to be overt. It doesn't even need to be actually there. Maybe it's subconscious <laughs> from the creator or maybe it's just something happening. But uh, yeah, sometimes that, that's what I, I miss with some movies when you don't have this this subtext which you could read through. I mean, the classic, well, or more obvious one like the Night of the Living Dead zombie movies and you start mm-hmm. taking the zombies as an allegory for something else uh, is the, the kind of thing uh, I, really, I really love. Uh, is it something you consider when you are... You, I think on top of all, everything you, you're describing in gaming, do you also write scripts at the moment? Yeah, um, I'm I'm currently like in two film projects. Um, currently, I'm writing a script called Myth of the Rabbit God, which like explores um, sh- sort of like Chinese like Chinese desire sensuality through uh, another myth, um, and uh, Coffee to the People, which is a documentary looking at like how we can make a more sustainable coffee industry, um, and looking at like a, a coffee, a local coffee shop and how they're like increasing it for like queer trans people, 
Black, Indigenous, and people of color to make it more accessible as a community. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a scriptwriter, a director, producer, editor. Like I like because the film's community is so small in Edmonton, you have to have like you have to wear all these hats um, in order to like create these projects and make them to life and make sure that my vision uh, gets properly like out there. So yeah, like um, I think I think when writing, it's so important that like um, you consider that like they. Like, um, it's not just like that dialogue or that setting that people will see that will also like interpret, like, what does that actually mean? People will actually try to find patterns in everything that you do. And so, um, yeah, like, um, I, that's, that's a lot of filmmaking is trying to like convey that message, but how hard are you hitting people over the head with that message? And, or can you get people to like, be like, Oh, I see that. Like that, those are like the connections that the filmmakers trying to make. And are you actually as smart as you think? <laughs> so, sometimes <laughs> the movie is like, oh, this movie is smart. Is it though? Is it though? Love keeps the <laughs> universe together. I'm not sure, Mr. Nolan. I'm not, not convinced. Uh, as a closer question, um, I was wondering what would be your, let's say you, you got your Netflix show or you got your, your movie budget and you could adapt, uh, you create a new IP for mass entertainment, but your, your constraint is that you're going to have to use a, uh, tabletop role playing IP. What tabletop would you like to, uh, write and direct uh, into a, a feature length movie on an ongoing TV show? Oh, this is such a cool question, Callum. Um, oh man, what IP, what tabletop IP would I take into a movie? Um, oh, this is so hard. There's so many good <laughs> ones too. There's High ah. Hand, Brindlewood Bear, Blades There is Dark, Changeling. Changeling, oh my god, there's so many fame movies already. You know, like, it's so funny, like, hmm. Uh, this is really hard for me to tell. Because, um, like, you, there's so many movies already. Um, you know, honestly, I would really love um, for Bluebeard's Bride to actually be a movie. Oh, that could <laughs> Have be you cool, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess like it's it's my default because it's a fairy tale already. But like, I would just love to see like people choosing and and again like if I could do the cyberpunk Asian one in Netflix, that would be really cool. But like, can you imagine if like you were like the bride and then you had to choose like rooms? Um, you would be like, which room do I want to choose? And then like interact with the horror that way. Very that would be so cool. <laughs> so who, who would you cast in there? Who's the blue beard and who are the brides? Oh man! I guess you have. I don't know if it would be too grim to have several lives in the game. If you fail, you play another bride. I'm not sure if I want to do that. I don't know if you can. I think you just like accept your fate <laughs> in the end, um, and then you can try it again as a different bride, I suppose. Who would I cast? Who would be like? Who would I cast as a blue beard? I mean, um, oh, um. <laughs> who would be like I don't know Callum it's so Aquafina <laughs> that would be interesting yeah that would be super <laughs> interesting if I had like my my Asian cast going um 
<laughs> um, I would love to have like, um, who's that guy in Crazy Rich Asians? Um, I think his name is like Henry. Uh, uh, Let me Google that. Golding, Henry Golding as like Bluebeard's bride, and then like have like maybe uh, Constant Wu like do Crazy Rich Asians again, but like make it Bluebeard's bride in horror. Oh wow! Oh yeah, that's I think the. There would be definitely mass appeal behind that. Uh, by by the cast of Crazy Rich Asian taking you in a brand new direction. Hara. <laughs> Wouldn't that be wild? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you get the whole cast, and somehow you fit them uh, in the in the story, and you put them in uh, I don't know, uh, uh, Beauty and the Beast style French medieval attire. You know you. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? But also, like, can you imagine if it was like Emma Watson and then like whoever played the Beast in Beauty and the Beast at, for the Bluebeard's Bride? That would be also very interesting. I would watch Maybe that. Though, I thought everybody hated that movie. I mean, Emma Watson being a British actor in a French movie in like a French movie didn't really make sense. Um, but well, you uh, know, <laughs> so we we used to her that. Accent was very off. An Asian representation. Uh, for well, sure, there's big shortcomings, but French presentation uh, isn't that impressive either. You know, I, I like it'd be very interesting if it was like queer. Like, um, I recently watched like Portrait of a Fire of a uh, a Lady on Fire, and that was really well done. Yeah, that could um, be cool. So that would be really cool if it was like a sort of like a a queer twist um, i mean like i'm really i'm tired of queer people dying on screen all the time but i think uh it would be very interesting as well i think like uh yeah like i i love talking to creatives like yourself because then i get all these ideas and we bounce off them and i'm like oh my gosh i need to fly to london right now and chat to you about all these ideas <laughs> well uh my fees are very modest i just charge 20 pounds per hour uh, we can work out things uh in u.s dollars canadian dollars uh, if you if you wish so and uh yeah and speaking of which uh, your consultancy session is coming with Cafe Release is coming slowly to an end. We are almost at the one hour mark. Is there one last thing you want to, to discuss about? Um, I, I think, I think, you know, uh, this is just like a shout out to like any other like a Asian POC queer folks out there. Um, if you like, you also know you don't have to be CW or Vancouver. You can also find me on Twitter at Daredevil Alex. And uh, if you have an idea, we can collaborate. Um, I think we can create something beautiful. Amazing. Well, uh, I will put links to all of that in the description, so it's easy for everyone to find. Uh, please, people, uh, if you enjoyed this, leave it a like, leave it some comments, and if you leave comments uh, for Alex, uh, I will uh, let Alex know that you did, so uh, we can all reply uh, in there. It helps the video being more visible. Uh, subscribe, follow on Twitch, and this... Oh, was there anyone in the chat room? I don't think we had people in the chat room today. Uh, they didn't post anyway. But uh, yeah, if you come on Twitch, you can ask your questions directly. Uh, and this way, uh, that's all cool. Uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you so much, Alex. And uh, I really look forward to uh, my voice is starting to break again. 
to play 12 <laughs> candles with you and run uh, some Brindlewood Bay also because my, my next project is yeah. Brindlewood. Uh, I really look forward to I'm start you. properly writing uh, this one. But first, I need to run more Brindlewood. All right. <laughs> you, yeah, include me. <laughs> yeah, we'll do for sure. Thank you so much. And uh, are you part of the Magpie uh, game mastering thing or are you just joining games uh, on a regular basis? No, I'm a I'm a, an official Magpie GM um, through their curated play program. So oh, if people well. want to play games with me, yeah, like yeah, they can people play. should find you there. Then I will include the link towards yeah, that yeah. one as well. Awesome. Also, I will check if the the time zones work, but I need to to join one of those curated games by Magpie uh, as well. Anyway, oh, yeah, play no good. Play with B. <laughs> play with B. They're cool. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Alex. Uh, thanks, people, for watching. And uh, see you around. Bye. Uh, our next guest will be will be Federico Sons, uh, who uh, uh, is an, a designer from Argentina, but would lived close to us in London for quite a while. Uh, released Nibiru and recently successfully confunded Xanadu, the first expansion to Nibiru. And uh, Federico, since uh, then moved to Japan, so uh, it will be with us from Tokyo, so it might be interesting to find out what he discovered in terms of tabletop over there. But yeah, thanks, bye. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, bye. Our logo is designed by Roland Kunz. Our theme song is Playtime by Jazar, which you can download on the free music archive. A video version of this episode is available on YouTube. Please consider subscribing to our channel there. Leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. If you would like more Café Rollist, you can also get access to our archive of 100 or so additional episodes via Patreon. If you want to be informed of everything released by The Rollist, we have a monthly newsletter for you to join. And if you want to contribute via the chat room, to one of our recordings, subscribe to our Twitch channel and social media accounts to be informed of when streams are happening. Finally, links to everything I just mentioned can be found in the description of this episode. Thanks for listening to us and remember, you are the Realist.